0: welcome to bandwidth the podcast about band directors and how we combat burnout to preserve some bandwidth for ourselves thanks again to evan fujimoto for the music and to lmc media for the artwork if you're listening in apple podcasts please subscribe and give the show a rating and review if you're listening in spotify i'd appreciate if you give the show a follow So I'm back after spring break and this week's episode is something a little different. Nick Peterson came here to Hawaii to visit, and it was a perfect opportunity to have a mini reunion with him along with Johnny and Sarah Wines, who are also UNC alums and are now teaching here in Honolulu at Punahou School. Johnny and Sarah spent about 20 years teaching in Colorado, mostly in the Cherry Creek School District in Denver. And Johnny was most recently at Campus Middle School, which feeds into Cherry Creek High School, where Sarah taught. They were a wonderful one-two punch. Uh, Sarah was previously at Liberty Middle School, where she fed into Grandview High School, where Keith Farmer teaches. If you didn't hear the episode with Keith, please definitely check that out. Here's my interview and roundtable discussion with Johnny, Sarah, and Nick.
1: All right, here we are. So we've got a little group round table of Colorado people, but here in Hawaii. And so we've got uh, Johnny and Sarah Wines. Uh, They teach at Punahou School here in Honolulu, Uh, but we're previously in the Cherry Creek School District in the suburb of Denver. Uh, Sarah at Cherry Creek High School, and Johnny was at Campus Middle School, which fed into the high school, was a nice, Tandem thing. We've got Nick back here. He's coming, coming to visit today. Um, once again on uh, sleep deprivation mode, <laughs> but we're all good you know to what? go. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna get into some different questions, a little bit uh, different format. So kind of a round roundtable uh, that everybody can kind of respond to. So the first one. Oops. Oh boy. All right, that's my alarm, and not to go, not to wake up at eight o'clock. <laughs> But, Doing it. Yeah. So the first one, and, and I've I've uh, spoken to other people about this, is this concept of a maximum viable product. And then it's born out of this software developer's concept of pushing out a minimum viable product. What is this product that will work? It'll function. It may be a little bit buggy, but we're going to put it out there to get people to use it, find more bugs. We'll debug it later, and i constantly improve it. Um, and they're saying, what if? we put out a maximum viable product we said this is this is where we'll stop and it it was um, based on this idea that there was this version of microsoft office that really did everything you needed it to do it was sleek it was efficient and then everything Uh, (laughs) everything after that became immensely more complicated and convoluted i think when that ribbon bar came out on the top Um, And they were saying, you know, what if they had stopped at this other version and just said, this is good enough. Um, So I thought about that in terms of music programs and how you don't necessarily always have to be leveling up just because we did a, you know, I talked about this with Dylan, right? And it was like, just because we did a grade four piece doesn't mean we need to do a grade five piece next year, right? Just because, you know... Like, it's not to say that we're never we're going to stop trying to improve or that there's a ceiling to, to 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 improvement, but let's not go crazy, you know, with things. So, do we have to tune every major third, you know, mm. in every every part of the piece? Right? Does everything have to be just pristine where we're on the mat every day, all day, in every single setting, you know? So, your thoughts? how that might apply to a band program?
2: The current band director. Oh, goodness.
3: Wow. Um, I think that there's a lot to be said for finding satisfaction for where you might be living in that moment. And it's a balance of not overshooting and not just... um, like you're we saying, jumping levels or progressing just for the sake of leveling up, but finding where is a good fit for the students in that program and the directors that are working within that. Um, where's the motivation level lie? And what keeps it really exciting to be a part of that program and finding a couple of key points to kind of maximize? And then where can you? Find a flow that it might be okay to live within that flow without maybe a constant level up. Um, trying to think, like you mentioned literature, and I think for me literature is like the the central point of everything within a concert band program. At least it's what provides the energy to the rehearsal flow. It's the curriculum. It makes. A difference of do kids want to come back the next day or not? Are they excited to be there? So it's this—it's where I want to spend my energy in making it exciting for them and for me and musically fulfilling, but without bumping to a level where we all reach frustration. And if we have success at a particular level or something that goes well, it might be okay to just replicate that again and not feel like you have to make it incredibly different or way harder or way more spectacular the next concert yeah. um, so i think i'm i'm on board with the that concept
1: yeah and, and at cherry creek you folks had a lot more contact time with the students than you do where you're at now right and then the yeah. school has different goals
3: different for, goals for, for and it's a different program um for me it's an adjustment because i went from the luxury of daily consistency, which I now, not teaching in that, realize how amazing that is, how great it is for students, although shorter rehearsal times, the daily contact and the ability just to have a consistent repetition of technique and rehearsal flow is so great. Um, so with that missing and then um, where I'm working now, I just have like one concert event per semester. That's a, also a different flow. Um, so I haven't yet found like the perfect uh, flow of programming for that yet. I think I'm starting to get the feel of what that needs to look like, but that's a journey for sure.
1: Yeah. And then a lot of that about the school is it's not in your control. I mean, that's how the school says they dictate this is how, yeah. how it'll go. Yeah. And and they're okay with it. And then again, they, they have different goals, but one of the things, you know, having worked a little bit with some students at Puno Hall is so many of them are so incredibly smart like right? they're, they're just really really smart kids and they've got a lot of music background if, if they've come through the school so there are certain things that just it doesn't take that many rehearsals to get it, get it through
3: yeah i'm yeah. often surprised with um, especially some superstar students who maybe started in a program or are studying um, and getting some lessons outside too they are the students that kind of glue it all together and there's yeah. Uh, It doesn't take too many of those inspiring kids to motivate other students around them. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of normal kids, too, just to to keep it real. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's still a lot of I feel like the usual challenges of what we do in rehearsal is what most of the students do on their instrument. So Mm -hmm. there's a a very fair amount in the population that is not practicing outside of class um, for many reasons, academics and sports and commuting to school and all kinds of different factors, but, um, I need to be there responsible for their practice routines, their technique growth and their rehearsal teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. then I have to have, that's the reality of like, what happens here? That's all that's happening on these instruments. And so, um, although sometimes that could feel frustrating or you want to think like they should be way more motivated and everyone should be practicing outside of class. Um, for, I think a lot of kids, it's not a reality and that's okay too. Um, and the ones that maybe are finding the time outside of class and outside of school, they're going to kind of perpetuate the higher end and help still have good forward motion. But um, it's okay to have students that are just there in class.
1: Mm-hmm. And they're not, you know, they're, they're enjoying it. They're having a good time. They're learning. They're moving along. So yeah. I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. Nick, are you seeing in the marching band world people going just, just, way too far where it's just like, okay, maybe that was asking too much or too big of an ask or not sustainable or.
2: Yeah. And I was going to, I was kind of, you really triggered Sarah, me thinking maybe about education, zooming out even more, just the culture in schools coming from leadership, usually school boards of like, wow, that was, our data shows great student growth, you know, fantastic. Let's, it has to be better next year. We're sending even more unified, improvement plan more ambitious and it just and it's like well when does that stop you'll yeah. never yeah. get to 100 right. we're dealing with humans every year you know so there's going to be ebbs and flows but the there's like this insistent on kind of continuous improvement which like is baked into my dna too like i perpetuate that but then i also look at it and like that's just like a continuous squeezing of people yeah, it is you know, very and
1: inhuman like oh we we taught talk- through no child left behind, right? So that was one mm-hmm. of those things, right? every school was going to reach 100, like how how by lowering the bar, <laughs> right? Which we don't want. You don't want yeah. to lower the bar. You want everybody every obviously want every kid to achieve, but
2: it's magical you know, thinking, yeah. and I think and I think it really is harmful. And I think it's always good to have ambition, but I also think it's good to just to um, I think just recognize that. You know, there's a time and a place to start new things, and I think everybody's career is kind of an arc. You know, where you're, we have our phases of life. You know, if you think of lifespans as a whole, we, we're born, we live, and we die. You know, and I think it's the same thing with ideas, initiatives, and things like that. And it's always about add, 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 add the next new things, mm-hmm. add the next initiative. But when are we actually strategically sunsetting things mm-hmm. and choosing when to let go? And I think okay. that's kind of part of renewal. I'm glad yeah, that's not only program. happening here. <laughs>
4: yeah. You know, I think we're part ask of renewal question, is like,
2: right? just like give it the Marie Kondo treatment and just mm-hmm. like, let's take everything out and have a look mm-hmm. at it and decide what to discard. And I think it's a more lightweight, a more natural, more human way to conduct yourself through a career is to kind of have that renewal and reflection and purging.
1: And- she's actually kind of given up on that system like she said she's given up on tidying up yeah it's very kind of encouraging actually. It, right? it's mean, actually she's, so she's purged good. that part of her life
2: too Right? Yeah, she sure. purged the perfectionism yeah, she had, kid, child, so. yeah, yeah. She, she had a third
3: child Yeah, she yeah. kids. <laughs> and you're like exactly.
4: oh
2: it turns
3: out it's kind of tricky
2: but <laughs> yeah. i think that applies to you know whether it's like inching up the ambition with repertoire or to your original question about oh the marching band scored an 80 this year so we got a I make mean, it a little bit harder it's like well who mm-hmm. says who knows who's going to come in the door next yeah. year you are, know, are we okay with
1: being a perennial third place team <laughs> well, maybe you know yeah that,
4: yeah. Yeah. yeah risk yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway yeah right.
1: what's what what is the price of that greatness yeah. right in the in the long yeah. run too right you can't just look at that one it's not a one-off that
2: yeah, it just feels fundamentally unnatural. You know, and I think we all feel those rubs in education and we kind of just nod and perpetuate that thinking because we have to. And it's what our bosses say or whatever. But there is something fundamentally unnatural that I think maybe we're calling out here.
4: I think um, Sarah is way better at this than me. But th- having the. Uh, the what Sarah did was her planning was so much better than mine and what she would do is after a big event or a big you know after marching season or whatever it was um she was she wrote down thoughts about the next year and for me I kind of was just recovering from it so I was recovering from the concert like okay that was crazy all right and then I recovered and the way I recovered sometimes was just to like kind of go brain dead and I didn't really think about Mm -hmm. I I mean I thought about it a little bit what would I do differently what is the next step or but many times I was just like like really recovering by not thinking about it and um, I think in the planning of having a good perspective of, of what is next what would I do differently next year and then coming coming from the standpoint of okay what what's the trade-off if we had extra rehearsals if we did this if we did this what 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 is good planning and i think that i i always i always envied the people that could right after something right after an event right after a concert or a season or whatever they could really thoughtfully put that stuff down and, and think about the next year and for me sometimes i would just get overwhelmed or i would just kind of escape from the thing that just ended and i think part of that part of that like if you're talking maximum whatever Mm -hmm. it's just it's coming from a a a balanced perspective it's coming from okay we can do this but this is the trade-off or we could possibly do this um and i think sometimes um uh, I remember taking my jazz band to the Colorado Music Educators thing, like we we conference the conference, yes. But I, I remember kind of having to process that of um, where is this for the kids? Uh, what are they getting out of it? What 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 am I getting out of it? And you know and and kind of having to plan that of saying, you know, stepping back from the whole experience and. Um, getting perspective of saying, yes, we're going to do a couple extra rehearsals and we're going to do this and we're going to do this, but um, where what is reasonable and what might be over the top? And I mean, yeah, we're going to do four early morning rehearsals a week until CMEA performance. Maybe that's a little too much. And, um, you know, if, if I have my rehearsal schedule set and then... I really need to pick smart literature and I have these guidelines of how I, I'm going to fit in. I think that's where I can maximize. Am I using every single rehearsal wisely? Am I just wasting time, you know, sometimes I would waste these rehearsals by passing out music that we're not going to end up playing anyways, you know. Mm-hmm. And then am I is that just a waste of rehearsal? Yeah, it's sight reading this thing, but Am I being smart about choosing? I guess that's where my thoughts go. Well, that
3: that jumps into like, what about just trying to maximize what we currently have? Can we live in the system that we've created or currently exists? And what can we do better on our end and maybe help teaching our students and everyone who works with the students, like let's maximize what we have without adding more. Um, Maybe we can get a better performance level or, um, even move up in literature or marching band score or something. If we find more efficient systems, if we refine our teaching, if we refine our rehearsal structure, if we hold kids to a higher standard of our rehearsal starts on time. So we have Mm -hmm. the full amount. I think that's a, that's an exciting thing to think about. Like what do we have? And let's live in that. Let's not extend ourselves but let's maximize what we've got and see where we go with that
4: well i think covid kind of threw everything out the window and made us think outside the box and make us think about maximizing whatever we had and so many people had so many different things and at campus we had this weird cohort thing where i saw half my kids two times a week you know and so uh I think the side effect and a lot of people are processing through this side effect is like asking, what is, what are we here for? And what, you know, kind of the big picture of what can we even do this semester without seeing them as much or without seeing them at all. And we kind of had to say, what, what, what do we want to do? And then we had to be really smart about literature. We yeah we really had to plan and
3: creative
4: and creative and then you had to also let some things go and yeah that the tuba player I don't know even where he is this year he's he's dropped off I don't is he like homeschooling he's probably doing the
3: homeschool program yeah. that was yeah. offered or and, or... <laughs> yeah
4: yeah for this cohort for my eighth grade cohort the lowest instrument is a tenor saxophone okay what you know like let's what are we going to do and i have to yeah. really be creative think about what and also kind of think about the the it's almost having their perspective of saying what what do they need out of this class versus you know my my old thinking of saying we're going to get a piece ready for concert and mm-hmm. here's the piece you know like that kind of stagnant almost sort of box that i was fitting myself into
1: but if you weren't doing chamber music if you weren't doing theory you know composition arranging things um you know you weren't doing that this was just purely performance right you were not going to be ready for for all of that right and, and it's I, I think it's the people that found ways to pivot without being so different because they're already incorporating these things into the programs so you're the ones that that made it out got out of this thing you know not unscathed but for the most part the kids stayed engaged you know the people that you know thought about you know the sel part of it right in your, your counseling background right nick like that that's a big part of it and these kids had they're going through emotional things that they've never had to process before right they're they're missing this this social interaction which we're, we're finding you know with with kids who never went to preschool or um, who didn't spend kindergarten in school that we're, we're having to adjust them to a lot of things and they're still trying to you know, and parents are adjusting too. You know, to you know, they they're not used to having their kids around them all day, <laughs> and, and they realize you know, how the schools feel that feel that. So it was, you know, I was I, I watched you know those those virtual band concert <laughs> oh, video boy. compilations. Yeah. It's like, like the intonation was killing me. But again, intonation is a social skill, and if you're not around other people there's nobody to reckon with and and, you know have to come to agreement with and so you know it was it was acceptable to do that and to to do a grade two piece with high school kids it's fine it's fine They're, they're still playing this is not it looks like the big thing but that's not the big yeah that's not everything that they're walking away with so yeah Awesome. So, I'm going to go on to something a little bit different. Um, So, this is a um, quote out of an interview from a podcast I'd heard. So, this guy, Jerry Saltz, a, I think he was an art critic, possibly for the New York Times. Um, But he was writing about an, uh, an artist, and he said, when she makes any piece, she asks, is it complicated enough? Is it simple enough? Is it crazy enough? Is it beautiful enough? And is it stupid enough? And... I thought about this in terms of programming for my own my own band, which I'm very much guilty of over programming ridiculously uh, hard music at, at times when I, I did not have players, right? But also doing things that's like, okay, they're worried so much about chasing notes, you know? Like, are we getting to the music part of it? And, and it was always we can was always with the deal that we can walk away from this if if not everybody in, in the band is on board. We'll walk away and there's plenty of other stuff that we can do that's going to be rewarding and whatnot. But I always just try to, try to push it, but also keep some sense of balance and simplicity and make sure that for the audience, they're enjoying something. But I don't know, you folks have a similar kind of thing when it comes to programming or when you, you're hearing, seeing other programs, like are people being too conservative or not conservative enough?
3: Well, I like that quote that's a beautiful quote. And, um, I don't, th- I'm not sure that all of those adjectives run through my mind, but
4: that's well, not the stupid. One. <laughs>
3: no, Although I'm like, so. maybe I should yeah. add it. Is it stupid <laughs> I, <I'm>, enough? <laughs> I've got plenty
1: of that part. I've got that one. <laughs> I think I've yeah.
3: accidentally had a couple of those where you're like, that, that was stupid. Um, but I like, maybe this is the, the passion of my career is, um, just this, ever longing to find the right literature and the right combination of pieces for students. And And
1: for those players in front of you. For the players in
3: front of me. So that starts with like, you know, as this time of year, when you're prepping rosters for the next year, my brain starts, the wheels are turning and you're starting, I'm already starting to think. And it just happens naturally now, like, ooh, what, what will strengths and weaknesses be? And what's the personalities of these groups? And then I'll start to have just kind of from here on out through the summer, just bits and pieces where I have pockets of time, time to sit down and think through things that are a great fit, but it has to feel exciting to me musically, something I can live with through a whole rehearsal cycle, which for now includes a full semester of work or nearly a mm-hmm. semester. So that's a length of time I have to be willing to live with something. It's
4: a relationship.
3: Yeah. Right? And, it's, and for the students too. I need to be on board with that. And also because rehearsal is limited, I don't want to break up with a piece and then be stuck with a quick turnaround. You know mm-hmm. That happens and you have to be willing to do that. but. If you can find the right pick from the get-go, that's pretty magical. Um, But finding, and then a mix of pieces, I I, I love that process, and I think it's critical to the experience for the teachers and the students. Um, And when, and I've been guilty on way too many occasions of not the right fit, and then you've lived it too long, and you are now at a timeline that you're stuck with it. And that is the worst feeling in the world, and you you may get it up to a reasonable performance level and you end up performing it for better or worse, and it, no one walks away feeling great about that. You yeah. may pull it off, but no one felt passionate or like they were able to actually express their musicianship, they just lived terrified, maybe even the mm-hmm. conductor, yeah. through that moment, and then you passed it back in and wanted to burn it in the dumpster. Like, why did I ever think that would work? Um, versus the times when it works out well, and it's just that sweet spot where it's a lot to work on, but it's within their wheelhouse. It's within your musical wheelhouse of things you can teach well bring out. And then to perform that piece is like a life changing experience. So,
1: yeah, it can be because there's some that you just need time with the piece, right? Yeah. But um, Dr. Mean had brought in David Warble to to lecture for that the secondary instrumental class, and then so he had taught told us about this, you know, the sight reading system, you know, or or it's like programming cycle system that you would, it was like a eight week cycle or something like that. And it was two new pieces a week. At the end of the week, you put those two away and then another two, and then another two, you do this for six weeks. And then come week seven, then you come back and you revisit, you know, like three or four of them. And then week eight, you throw a new one in wow and then you got a concert right after that wow and and he said you have to commit to it and you have to stay kind of low level at first because they have to be able to turn it around but you have to make sure you're continuing to teach concepts and not the piece like you and you have to teach piece but you have to teach concept and he said what will happen over time is they're going to become sight reading machines and they're going to turn around balance and intonation and vertical alignment of rhythm and and all of that, more, just the more pieces they play, the more they get to listen to, the more experiences, varied experiences that they have, the more ready they'll be for other stuff. So Mm -hmm. I was like gung-ho about that. And I I really went for it. And my band could read. That's why I could do like crazy stuff with them. But then I found over time, hey, some of these need more time, right? I need Mm -hmm. to have this, you know, more cultivated relationship with uh, with the piece and so the students. So we we might start some of those harder pieces early on, and just a little bit here, a little there, a little here, a little there, and then it, it just kind of migrated into this like hybrid of that of you know of mm-hmm. those two. But um, it would you know there was a little crazy. There was there were there were grade one pieces in there. There were you know those pop tunes in there that had crazy hard syncopated things you know tough transitions and and stuff but yeah after a while like i I think we do i throw christmas music at them like three days before the concert and it's like i don't want to spend like we're we're gonna we're gonna perform at these elementary schools we need to play frosty the snowman on thursday and it's tuesday you know (laughs) like here it is uh we might not look at look at this ever again after after this site reading so good luck Right? And, and it was fine it's frosty the snowman. like the bar is not very high <laughs> right but they had already applied this you know these concepts of, of rhythm and intonation playing good tone I didn't have to get after those fundamentals every time yeah you know, those you know, put them on edge all the time and they did switch parts so I never seated my kids so you never knew on any given day what part you were going to play on i mean you would stay with that part on that piece but and there was a band director at intermediate before uh, mr quad every player got every part and you didn't know until the concert while you're in the seats which part you were playing that on that concert Oh goodness! yeah wow. that was wild but that band was
2: amazing wow <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What a luxury. Right? Yeah. 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 I, don't I don't want, want to do like hear my middle school do that.
4: Wow. Sorry. That's I, awesome. No. Oh,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, around the table. Um, I'll come in on that question from, I guess, maybe the marching <laughs> band angle, mm-hmm. since that's maybe where I'm most plugged in. But I think, is it Jerry from the New York Times? I think I think yeah. he could write. The judging rubric because that sounds like basically general effect visual or general effect music and i think those different um words are implying range you know and when you pick a marching band show and a concept you're wanting to take the audience on a journey that kind of covers you know as much range as possible and so i think the stakes are different you know because it's all about communicating in a huge venue to a large crowd and then having that energy exchange, you know, because the audience is encouraged to participate and clap after soloists and big mm-hmm. events, you know, and multiple times, hopefully every 30 seconds, if we're doing it right or more. And so, you know, I, I guess, uh, I agree with it and I feel like that is, um, the task, at least in like the marching band side of things. I think in the, in the concert band realm, it's, it's different because maybe the arc isn't just, here's one product that we're going to repeat all season for three months, but we've got a whole arc of a year, you know, maybe where we cover all those things through our repertoire lists. So
4: mm-hmm.
2: I think there's some key differences there, but yeah, I would invite Jerry from the New York times to do a Colorado Bandmasters association training anytime. That sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. It
1: yeah. would be interesting to get this, you know, outside perspective, you know, like from artistic, you know, from a, through an artistic lens. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you guys have all the, the Scrabble tiles, right, with, with Littleton, right? Yep. And everybody in the audience was like, oh my
2: God, I think spell out naughty words on the field. That's <laughs> tempting. Yeah. Really tempting. We had to be really careful. Right. We had the dean's look at that setup to make sure we didn't have any acronyms. That's
3: a different yeah. kind of GE score. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. But, like, what would Lovelin have finished first if it were not for that, that crazy bass clarinet feature?
2: Right. it's all about making like, an impression you'll never forget right. that. What, it
1: what, so did, cool. what what did that you know how did mm-hmm. that affect the overall finish because i don't know that they sounded a whole sounded as a whole you know the rest of the show was like miles ahead of second place band i don't even remember who came in second because that bass player thing was wild yeah but, you know, no, that,
2: was but, a, that was a that was a a win rooted in great design yeah
1: but yeah. the Creek band sounded fantastic there were moments of just absolute glory that lovely never reached, right? Yeah. So you know, is it crazy enough? Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> do you need twenty bass clarinets?
2: <laughs> I think yeah. it's. I think it's just it, it's empathy with your audience and just yeah. kind of recognizing that that dynamic and that we huh. really we're in the business of communication and you know, sending a message, taking them on a journey, leaving them with an impression. And, and, and it brought this
1: crazy energy. That's what you have to do right. Yeah. You know, people were in it. People are into it. So
2: yeah. yeah. I think sure. it happens on the stage and on the field anywhere. I think that's that's why we do this. That's probably we could probably point to moments all of us that hooked us in that were like those just that aesthetic moments or or whatever that just like yeah like this this is me I'm in it
4: you know. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think about uh, hey Steve Martin, great uh, Colorado band director. Oh, These still Steve Martin, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Steve. Uh, he taught at falcon bluffs and you should you should interview steve because he's he's uh as far as hitting all of those adjectives i, mm-hmm. I think he was someone that, um especially from when he taught he taught at devlin or dievlin um for kind of the later part of his career but he, when he was at falcon bluffs he um, man his his literature selection and his his overall, um, his whole program was amazing. But I remember his performance at um, CMEA, and they played a piece. And I'm gonna—I don't know that, that we can look this up, but it was a—it was like something about dust bunnies. It was something about March of the Dust Bunnies or something. Okay, and it featured a vacuum cleaner. solo. <laughs> and and it was hilarious at the time, and Steve was hilarious. And his kids are all like in the same thing. But when they when he turned on the vacuum cleaner, it actually was like it I don't know if it was backwards or something, but it actually it it just shot out all of this. Oh, oh, it was oh, a, a was it ball. intended to? I don't know, but it was amazing. Yeah, it's it GE. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it was stupid. It, that right. was the best thing. And they they played they played wonderfully. And then they they also went that route, and I mean, they had some wonderful, amazing literature that was played on that, and they also did that. And um, so, going for, and I think, especially in the middle school, I think it's crucial you have to hit simplicity. Yeah, we've, I think, middle school directors overcomplicate things so much, mm-hmm. and um, you, you got to pull back and kind of say, like, What is this piece about? Is it simple? And some of the 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 rock star middle school literature pieces, they they are at their core, they are they are simple and they're it's they're profound in that. Um, And
1: then, air for band, air for band is so much harder than it looks, right? But profoundly simple, right? Harmonically complicated, but it doesn't look that way on paper,
4: right? What is that da, 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 da. Uh, the all the, the, all
1: the, all the little pretty, all yeah, the all pretty the, horses
4: all the pretty little horses I think about that yeah. one too little like people. that yeah. is a, it, like the melody is throughout and um, it's a great great piece that I should have played more oh. um, and but then also bringing out the silly and the stupid and the yeah. the what and when I say that I'm I'm saying like um, not taking yourself so seriously that you mm-hmm. you serious yourself out of reaching the audience or having fun or doing the best thing that I ever did. And I did it at the very end of my tenure at campus was we did a Pops concert. And um, with my eighth grade, we had this kind of weird time at the end of the year and we always had a concert, and then we had these, these weird, like, three weeks after. And I never knew what to do. And I, I did creative things. I did, like, Garage Band project, one, you know, like, mm-hmm. okay, we're in. Gonna... But the Pops concert was great where I, we threw in literature throughout the year, and they had it in their folder, and we kind of did that thing where they played it, and they, it was just in the background. Every once in a while we bring something out. But in my mind, I had planned we're gonna do a pops concert for the sixth grade, uh, the whole sixth grade class, not for mm-hmm. the just sixth grade banquets, but we're I'm um, inviting all the sixth grade sixth graders to this end of the year pops concert. It's during the day. And I mean it just turned into this great thing where we had we put po- we put up lyrics for all these Disney songs that we were mm-hmm. playing. We had the audience singing along and I invited up every all 500 sixth graders to this concert in the gym, and they all came.
3: Well, they had like, nothing better to do I at know. that point of the year, anyway. But some of their teachers was, are
4: like, "Yay!" Yes, <laughs> we'll do it. And, and the eighth graders are burning through this literature, and some of that pop stuff is
1: tricky. It is. So we're yeah.
4: playing all that stuff. We played like maybe eight pieces, and we had kids. We put slide. We turned the lights down. We put slides up for everything. And this was after our final concert, after this, after our festival that we went to, and I like after I did that, I was like, okay, this this had a huge bang for the buck. This was amazing. Mm-hmm. Movie. We did it, and the kids were all on board. And I mean, they're they're doing all the slideshow of like what you know what. Uh, so for every pop piece, we just did a slideshow of of you know screenshots of the movie as we're playing it and.
1: I I did the same thing with Spirited Away. Like it was the most memorable thing that that the parents had seen. It was definitely the hardest piece we've done on the on that program. Yeah. But it wasn't the most interesting bandy piece on the on the program, right? But like the kids just ate it up. Right.
2: Yeah, and
4: then when they're hitting like a crazy rhythm that, you know, they really haven't deciphered through, but they're you know that syncopation mm-hmm. and in some of that stuff it's, a, it's
1: we did starting to the galaxy <laughs> and that was, that was, some of those are hard <laughs> but, but speaking of um frosty the snowman so we epic fail every time we tried to do this we had these the students wrote out these huge cue cards with all the words for frosty the snowman every verse and you, you know we play at the elementary schools and they you know hear all the my, my kids frosty the snowman right every time that <laughs> light came up you just hear frost you can go um, yeah. but the students holding up the cards couldn't keep them in order or turn them at the right time so they were always on the wrong page we must have tried like
4: five or six
1: different performances and none of them went never <laughs> right but everybody the, the fact that it was a song sing-along and everybody in the audience knew at least one line of it, it was, you can get that one <laughs> line was,
3: wonder it was
1: <laughs> the band sounded fine the oh, band's on it fine but I love that. those those poor girls you know probably scarred from that you know <laughs>
3: the stress uh, of the, the key stress card
1: the, the like piano
3: page turner like that's yeah, yeah more that's
1: nerve-wracking I've, I've turned the page at the wrong time and oh god, like i got i got that look, for, look from bruce and oh, <laughs> bruce. one never
4: nope, yep, you don't live never that, down. that now Mm-mm.
1: Okay, we're going to go into a totally new segment. So this is, are you buying or selling? So it's like, are you buying stock in this or selling stock? And so these are concepts in the band world. So the first one I want to throw out there is um, uh, maybe a little controversial, but uh, a four-day school week, buying or selling, Mm -hmm. in exchange for maybe a longer school day or a Mm -hmm. longer school year. Doesn't matter which way, but a four-day school week.
4: I would say um, I'm selling and the reason why. So selling means I don't want
1: it. You don't want it. You yeah. okay. don't believe in the future. Right. This.
4: So I'm selling and okay. So uh, teaching teaching on every other day schedule right now, the, the hardest time is when I see them on Thursday and I come back and I see them on Monday. Well, Friday mm. into Tuesday. And then you throw a holiday in, like this this weekend. Then it's a Friday to Wednesday. And at a middle school level, that, that is just so tricky. I mean, you're teaching brass, and you have some success, and then you don't see them for a long time. And it's just a bummer.
1: They, they really lose it. They and lose the, the brass, it. The young players.
4: Yeah, so here, so what happened at Campus Crazy was we, our sixth graders, they did every other day um, and they had to choose the music and the music alternated with P.E. So they did, uh, you know, um, they did the whole year, every other day music. And um, my last year at, at Campus, they changed it up and we were like, okay, whatever, because we were like happy to play. So what they changed was instead of, um, every other day for a whole year you did it you did band every day for a half year and so I every every bone in my body said red flag red flag red flag don't do this they have to play the full year they have to play the you. year they have to play the you. year and then I got those sixth graders every day and about the second week I I was like, this is what they need. They need it every day. So in a perfect world, it would be every day for the full year, right? Of course. And so the trade-off was, am I going to see them? And what I found out is that, especially when these students saw, they were in band, even though it was like, you know, band at my level was... 40 45 minutes right but they they got banned every single day for a semester and by the second month i was they were they were having so much more success than these like i remember the the dog days of february where these kids are trying every other day for the first semester and then they come back from break and then they come back so what all that to say is and so i'm not sold on playing for half a year by the way but it just showed me how much I was losing when I didn't see them as often. And especially, the, like, if, don't even take your issue at home. Just show up the band five days a week. Man, we can do something. We can get you going. Mm-hmm. So I'm selling 40 okay. weeks. Colorado, the, the rural schools, a lot have 40 weeks. Oh, yeah. Out okay. of necessity. You know? Yeah.
3: And I think um, devil's advocate in, like, a rural setting or depending on other factors Four day week isn't a total non option. I don't know. I'm kind of tricky. Like it sounds lazy to be like, I don't know. A three day weekend sounds nice, but I think a lot of times in the the four day week setup, teachers are often working that fifth day. I think I, I'm having not taught on that specifically, but I think like well, my mom when she was teaching in a rural setting, the fifth day was like teacher planning and God forbid meetings day. So Why don't they throw
4: that. They threw the holiday into
3: that. Yeah, if you had a yeah. holiday, then that's your day off of that week. And so, like, for third quarter, it kind of just works itself out. I think we pretty much teach on a four-day week during third quarter a lot of the time anyway, but the rest of the year, no. So in the, like, if it was a truly all students and teachers are off and it's not a, a meeting day,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you might be able to sell me on or I might be willing to buy that just from an I would, I'd be curious to try that out. What does that feel like? Is it refreshing to have a little bit of time off? And do you come back more energized? Um, but that would be if I saw students four days a week, no matter what. Now, if it was like the schedule I'm on and that only meant two days a week, no matter what, I have to sell that right away for your same reasons.
4: I don't think you could have any... Teacher teach eighth grade class like after 4 p.m. Oh, well, no. Like, oh, that's like, true. I don't even evading. want to teach them after noon. I know.
1: Yeah, longer, you're
3: <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah no. you might. I might be selling really fast if the school day gets too Yeah, if
1: you're teaching kindergarten and you've got to go to four, Ooh,
3: yeah. that's rough times. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: yeah. Kindergarteners don't want to be there anymore than you do. no.
3: Not. Uh, what do you have? You taught on a different schedule? Uh,
2: no, I, I was on the uh, the five day week too, but I'm aware of the rural districts and you know the necessity just to have bodies in the room. And even still with those four day schedules and all those perks, they they have a hard time. So yeah, it, it definitely is a problem, and it illuminates a lot of things. And it kind of drew me into thinking from just like an equity lens, like zooming out about the kids' basic needs and what do they have at home in terms of nutrition and all that. And schools are really. More and more, as we found out in the pandemic, a, a service provider, you know, of everything, and so it has to be considered carefully to drop a day off like that because oftentimes there's not a childcare situation or things like that. So you know, what we might gain in terms of you know teacher satisfaction or maybe slightly better rates of retention, we could have a lot of losses that we're not taking into account. So I think it's an active experiment. And then I could see it working, you know, if you were on a four by four every day schedule, four days a week with a three day weekend, it could probably feel pretty good. But when you put yourself on a rotator or something weird like that, then I think it would be really hard to feel uh, any momentum or progress through the year. So that's my perspective now, kind of working at a district level Um uh, I'm also not good at buying and selling. um, Good at like buying high and selling low. So you know, <laughs> we bought Rivian stock last year. I bought
1: Tesla stock at the stock split, and then yeah, yeah. I'm right I'm there with you, buddy. All right, that. just
2: hang tight. Yep.
3: <laughs> Buy and sell. This might be the yeah. wrong table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one is rich here. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. Okay. For uh, for me, I would. I think I'd, I. Think I, after listening to you guys. I would still buy. <laughs> I think I'd, I think I'd buy, but it would have to be the right school and the right setup. I think it would have to be, like you said, you know, we are service providers. It have to be a community can, that can sustain, sustain that. But I would trade that off for a longer school year, not a longer school day.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't well, that's need, a good point. Don't I all said that. that. We don't need a yep. continuous two months off.
2: Those drop-offs that we would have with the Friday or a Monday off happen over two months in yeah. the summer. Yeah, yeah. there's rates, a reason. So you're right. Those trade-offs yeah. are.
1: There's a reason and, these yeah. Japanese and Korean schools are smoking the U.S. Yeah. They're, they're in school all year and they have breaks. They have breaks. Maybe not as many as they need to, but they, you know, we're not an agrarian society anymore. The children don't have to bale hay in June or yeah. July. I'm glad
2: you pointed that yeah. out because that's right for a rethink, I think.
1: Yeah, so I, I, it wouldn't be a terrible thing. And, you know, not every family can afford summer school or a summer fund or putting their kids in camps or whatever it is they're doing to have adult supervision. So why not have it be productive and be in school? Pay us 12 months salary rather than 10 months, and we can we can quiet all those people who are criticizing us for having summers off and, you know, who <laughs> think we're actually getting 12 months to pay for it and two of them are free. That's not how it works. Yeah. Okay. All right, next one is, um, this is a little bit more fun. Are you watching, I don't know if anybody's watching that show on Netflix, Physical 100. Yeah. It's this Korean like reality show. So it's sort of like Squid Game where these hundred people enter this thing and they have all these physical challenges. All of them are just ripped. They're like Olympians and like skeleton athletes, bodybuilders, CrossFit people. And like, you know, these, the guys come in all shirtless and they've got all these torsos made out of um, plaster sitting on the, you have to find your torso and whatever. And I look at that and it just, you know, I feel, you know, my body image just sinks <laughs> yeah. so, so there's much. there's a lot of band and I, directors and I, on that. As I put my beard down, <laughs> you know,
3: <laughs>
1: and, and look at my empty McDonald's French fry container. Um, but there, and there's head to head or team competitions. And I was just thinking, what if we did that with band director stuff? Would you, would you buy into a show like that? Like, all right assume intonation tendencies. This like, is your competition. Go. Like televised
3: oh. boo-boo band or what we did in yeah, our
1: Yeah, yeah. televised <laughs> boo <boo-boo master> boo band, <laughs> band or um fix this oboe. <laughs>
3: yeah. I like it. I buy into I, that. That I, sounds entertaining.
1: <laughs> that's the pitch. Nobody steal it. I
4: <laughs> no, like it. that's good. It just highlights the how insane the job actually is. Yeah. If you really if you really kind of think about it, it's insane. Yeah. How how much
1: I need to oh. get two hundred people to Pasadena from from <laughs> Oklahoma City <laughs>
4: like, with all their instrument uniforms. Yeah, their
1: their uniforms. Instrument you know. uniforms
3: and yeah. uh, PS, you have to work with three different bus companies because everyone's short staffed right now and someone has COVID and so you're gonna uh-huh. have to So it's
4: like the Maisie race, right? Like <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. that but it, but even in the the daily instruction, what like if you actually decipher what goes on in band director world, it's it's insane. You know how many how, really how much is. knowledge you have to have, what you are going through, and then as you are like, what experience actually what it gives you and this, this knowledge of being able to pick up an instrument and be able to play it and perform, and and then someone who's not in this world at all is just like wait you know how to play this instrument too they're like well yeah mm-hmm. i mean that's really insane and you can fix half of them yeah and you can you yeah
1: can. when i was fighting that bass clarinet i you know just went down to quantum call and i was like all right guys but i need to work on this horn you know and i got it kind of working <laughs>
3: gonna get some problems i think you've come up with a convention topic though people are gonna really buy into this because it's gonna be a real hands-on exciting plus competition so you're gonna have like this whole mix of things like a few instrument repair things thrown in and it could be even a relay so you've got your team built and then you're gonna have like a literature selection based on um you're gonna like throw at them a page of Ranges the students can play, strengths and weaknesses of the ensemble, and then they have to, like, quick pick a concert program. And then you're going to throw in, like, the logistical nonsense, like, they have to, you know, cater a meal, plan a field trip the field trip paperwork and the administration and, and there's then... a
4: fundraiser tomorrow yeah, yeah. a fundraiser <laughs> and then, thing and then you have to meet with the nurse and you have to get cpr certified. and <laughs> yes. you have to get the happy pens and the yeah. eight pens i and know. All of and, it, yeah. you know
2: it's like american ninja warrior these <laughs> like, like different stations and yeah. so you just the band director has uh-huh. to do it all yeah my drum
1: light section in. leader just got yeah. suspended from peeing <laughs> in the bathroom yeah,
4: right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> what do you do yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah oh and then like really actually that that demonstration should happen in the music education courses at the university level yeah as you're like you're taking those courses and you're thinking like oh i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna like it's gonna be easy i know i have all this knowledge right. i'll be the next alfred walking watch <laughs> me it's yeah. gonna happen and then all of a sudden you get like um, some like Five in the trenches band directors, right? <laughs> who like I yeah. yeah. want to teach one well, <laughs> skill? Let's <laughs> go! You want to see this?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know who killed it? That Boo Boo Band ABC it was all the middle school directors. Yes,
4: yeah, high, right. high school directors That's were right.
1: not. <laughs> people are more just teaching fingerings and correcting wrong notes, and you know, yelling at a kid for yeah. using a snare drum stick on the tiffany. Yeah, you know,
3: like, <laughs> tambourine, <laughs> not tambourine, yeah. triangle being played with a pencil. Oh yes, and someone chewing gum. Oh, yeah, yeah.
4: <laughs> or like someone saying like. Uh, play the color blue during this. <laughs> yeah. That means nothing. What you it talking? needs to be more of a shade of ochre. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: Okay, I'm buying in on that. I like That's that overall
1: That's Maybe, maybe that, That's that'll be my, my Midwest um, presentation. No chairs in the room. We're just going to assemble. Mm. And you're going to assemble
4: and yourself into tribes. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: a YouTube series, even something. Yeah.
1: That, okay, all right. Um, maybe I'm not going to post that stuff so people would not steal my idea. I know I was
3: almost going you know? with it. Oh,
2: no? they, I mean, I just want this to exist now. So it
3: make it, it happen.
1: Okay. And our, our last one, uh, homogeneous grouping. So I'm, I'm talking about like the all brass class, the all woodwind class.
4: Thoughts? Oh, buying or selling. Buying or selling. And this is, um, starting out or. All like, right. There's nuance there, there's,
1: yeah. there's, there can be yeah. nuance to it, but I guess just the general concept of it
2: starting out. Like I, I'll, cause we talked about yeah. this in the car. I think starting out is a buy, you know, but I think there's that, you know, everybody's situation is different. It lends itself to different logistics. Some people have two directors working at the same time, which I was fortunate to start in where we, we could kind of separate and come together, you know, mm-hmm. with a good amount of flexibility. But when I see it happen in a high school, it's like, oh, the percussion doesn't join the band until the day before the concert.
4: Mm -hmm. I feel like those Mm -hmm.
2: students are missing out on an aesthetic and artistic experience, you know, the making music in the classroom. It's not just about that concert, but it's about those moments that happen in between the concerts. And so for Mm -hmm. me, it would be kind of a conditional sell. Okay.
3: I think I'm a buy but I'm thinking of when I taught alone in a middle school program, and especially from a beginning lens, how overwhelming mm. it is it's
1: chaos
3: to be the teacher in the room with everyone learning, even if you limit the instruments to like, quote unquote, starter instruments. You know, if you try yeah. to problem solve that way, even still, it's just overwhelming at best till everyone gets to some baseline level, then you can work in that. Mm-hmm. You can go from there. But I mean, like every fall, just like rocking in the corner of the room, like I have to do this again. Mm-hmm. How are we going to
4: do this yeah, again my, every year? My, I got
1: my twelve clarinet players sitting around me, and I've got drummers working on paradiddles in the back, and I've got trombone oh, players buzzing, you know, whatever, oh, and yeah,
4: and four crying flute players yeah. who can't get a sound on the head. <laughs> <laughs> right?
3: right, and then so I—that is one lens, and then we got to do some a lot of team teaching, beginning level to separate out a little bit still not perfect because someone had to claim the percussion. And that was always not fair for them ultimately and not fair for us because they really needed We needed one third partner in that
4: mix yeah. to give
3: percussion a really viable start on their own too. Like if there's yeah. a split up. Now we're like living this, you know, a little dream luxury where at the beginning level, yeah. they're getting to split out into their like instrument classes, even percussion getting their own situation. And then they get... To mesh together fourth quarter and have this awesome full dance experience and so that's really beautiful and it's a complete luxury that i'm aware of not being normal
1: brent's got it similar so her kids in the second semester come back all together so she only starts them for the semester like that but the percussionists everybody's are all they're all in the same class you know at, at, at that point
2: that's smart and i'll pick up on that because what do they do second semester they decide if they want to do band in seventh grade and you have to like cash the check at some point and give them them a reason and and pick some rep because if you're just playing one five one
1: five one on the tuba exactly not a lot of reason to to make sense without the melodic instruments with you right or if you're boom chucking Mm -hmm. on 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 the drums like
2: I know it's kind of maybe cheap and maybe there could be an educational argument against it,
4: but it's, you got to have that kind of quick win for those realities. I yeah. And that's, that's why. Mm-hmm. Well, we're already, the, the kids are kind of giving us hints in the seventh grade there are no in the sixth grade, because they are split out and they are asking, you know, like, are we going to, are we going to play with like everyone? You can get, and it's not like they're eager for that, that, mm-hmm getting you know like are we gonna is this you know we're playing we're playing a recording of something and they hear the percussion they hear the woodwinds or you know
3: and it's one part social which is completely okay too because they're like i signed up for band with my best friend who happened to choose an instrument outside of my group dang it now we're separate classes so they're yeah. like just joyfully waiting this reunion you know so yeah i like that day, social part
4: too that first day when you combine classes like yeah you know, Nick, for, like, i always had two eighth grade groups and we would like rehearse you know and it was like, just like, blah, 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 blah. It would, like social like hey eh. you're like yeah. guys we are trying to musically mash <laughs> w- we just always in concert together like, guys <laughs> guys come on guys <laughs> no.
3: So I think I buy like I like the conditional. There's got to be yeah. a real quick way to also join back in. But
4: yeah, watching the percussion like play whole notes, on um, like when playing snare or something, you know. Oh, yeah. here's Whatever. an
3: interesting thought though. We had to do that. I just this popped in my mind last year. We had to do that at the high school level mm-hmm. with the youngest group. They were mostly freshmen, but because of some COVID restrictions that still existed last school year, I taught high school woodwind class. And then there was a high school brass class and a high school percussion class. That was weird in a way. I mean, I like the idea of doing a sectional like that on occasion, but that is how those students pretty much lived the whole year. Mm -hmm. And that was not musically fulfilling to play high school level literature in your own little choir. And I didn't adapt to it very well or quickly enough to figure out. (laughs) Well, also, we had no idea what the year would look like. We were just it was like every week like will we have concerts? Yeah. We don't know. Will there be any time they could come together? We still don't know. So it was some on me and a lot on just the circumstances. But I, we did finally perform together at the end of the year, but it was too late. I think when we lost some kids along the way because it wasn't as fulfilling. And then by the time I started to figure out we are stuck in this, then I started doing woodwind choir things. So at mm-hmm. least it sounded better, you know, and like it was more fulfilling yeah. musically. but. It was too little, too late, and that was a weird thing to live that I would not choose to do consistently, at least um, on occasion for sectional. It's nice, yeah. but
1: yeah, you don't feel like for me, I, I would, I would sell on that just because it doesn't feel whole to me. Like it for me as a musician, yeah, I, I've never been in a situation teaching like that or 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 really learning. So it's always been everybody all together, yeah. Um, and you know, and I'd have split classes where you know, okay, maybe this class doesn't have the tubas, you know, or we have sure. player in here. Um, but you know you know, we, we got along, but we did a lot of after school rehearsals to, you know, make you know, get, get the, the whole group sound together and yeah. you know, maybe that's what that's what killed me. But I didn't do sectionals. I refused to do sectionals until mm-hmm. told Nick in the car. Sectionals are for people who don't practice. But Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's why I did so many sectionals. Or or don't, or don't, or don't pay attention. But but you you also brought up that there's a tremendous amount of teaching in the right in the marching band drum corps setting right in those sectionals. Mm
2: -hmm. Right, that's more of a process, and it and that's an opportunity for student leadership, and Mm -hmm. that's that those sort of structures that I think are beneficial for youth in a lot of ways. There's a lot of arguments to be made. So those kind of sectionals, you know that that are really empowering students, building camaraderie and teamwork and all that, I think can be really cool, creating opportunities for student leadership. But yeah, the concert band sitting is a little more of a mixed opinion.
1: And we, we, you know, we, we talk a lot about flexible grouping and, and education in general, right? You know, or preferred, preferred grouping and whatnot, which may, you know, may look like, okay, we're gonna put all the low voices together. So, so when we were doing the high school, when I was helping with the high school select band, um, you know, I convinced them to to not do um, individual instrument breakouts because, for the most part, that group didn't need uh, that. They didn't need a, a specialist working with them on oboe things. What they needed to do was hear the flute parts and the oboe parts together, and the first clarinet parts together. So all the high voices went together, the middle voices went together, the low voices went together, and the percussionists went together. You needed four clinicians. You needed a brass person that could just talk brass. Period right a woodwind person they can talk woodwind things period and and that actually worked the piece came together much faster um for for kids who are not used to playing with each other all the time so i found that really helpful Mm -hmm. okay well that's all the uh mental stamina that i have for this day, fear, I'm sure I, Nick is 1210 uh, uh, yes,
2: Colorado it's, time it,
1: right now on a school week, yeah, it's a school night, well, not for me, <laughs> uh, Thanks, well, thank you very much, and yeah. thank you for having us at your home, it's always, always wonderful to see everybody and chat with you, and uh, we had a, had, um, had a blast, so thank you very much, um, I hope we all sounded intelligent. <laughs>
3: edit if we don't
2: uh, comment on the thread, right? Yeah, Yeah. wrap it up beautifully. (laughs)
1: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: So I've known Johnny and Sarah for what seems like forever. And we've played in just about everything together from concert bands to saxophone quartets, marching band, a lot more. I've got the utmost respect for them as teachers, as parents, and as human beings, most of all, they've got two wonderful children who have gotten them to know since they moved here. And one of my takeaways from getting to reconnect with them in the last few years is that early on in life, when they just got out of college, they spent a lot of time working on their careers, on their relationship, their personal goals, and they did a lot of worldwide travel before they had kids, all before they had kids. Uh, This was done with great intention, and I think it's a great model for those who are looking to have kids, and especially for band directors who may be married to each other or to people with uh, highly demanding jobs in terms of time and stress and the intensity of your workday. Well, that was a great episode, and I hope you enjoyed it a lot. If you did, please give us some comments in a review in Apple Podcasts. Um, I hope you like this di- different segment as well. So please subscribe and give the show a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with friends wherever you get your podcasts from. Be sure to stay tuned for more episodes to come.